This is our second session on Colossians 1, 21 to 23, and we're going to focus on verse 22. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So, Father, as we focus on this unit right here, our reconciliation, he has now reconciled you, us, in his body of flesh. I pray that we would understand the relationship between the, the now of reconciliation and the historic reality of the death of Christ 2,000 years ago. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I read a book, I don't know, probably 40 years ago, by John Murray, and I'm putting it up here because I recommend it, called Redemption. And then a colon. It's not written like this in the title. I'm going to write it like this. Accomplished and applied. Redemption accomplished and applied. And I'm going to show you why that title unlocks so much of the New Testament. Just the title, but I recommend the book. So here's the question He, God, has now, over against this once here, once you were alienated in your life, now, in a second part of your life, you are reconciled. He has reconciled us. So the reconciliation, in some sense, happens in our lifetime. Not 2,000 years ago, but in our lifetime. And yet, the reconciliation is in or by his body of flesh by his death. Now, that death is 2,000 years ago, and this now is our lifetime. So the question is, how does the reconciliation that happens in my lifetime relate to its happening in, it happened in his body when he died? And I'm going to suggest and try to show that what happens in his body on the flesh, uh, in his body of flesh when he died, is accomplished. My reconciliation, and this word redemption here includes numerous kinds of saving words, and you could put reconciliation here. Reconciliation accomplished. So it was accomplished in his body of flesh by his death. 
but it was applied to me in my lifetime. And then we'll look at this last clause in just a minute. So let me try to show how this works itself out in some other passages of Scripture. How does the reconciliation happen on the cross? And we've seen this text, and we're going to see it numerous more times because it's the heart of the matter in Colossians. God made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Now, how did he forgive our trespasses and thus reconcile us to God? Answer, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. How did he cancel it? By nailing it to the cross. So really, think of this now. This is 2,000 years ago, and on the cross, the record of my debt was nailed to the cross. That is a real cancellation. That's a real cancellation. You can't say the cancellation came later. There is a real cancellation. That's what I mean by accomplished. My debt, the record of my debt that, that kept me alienated from God, has been canceled once for all outside of me before I ever existed. It's a real cancellation. However, when do I receive this, this forgiveness of sins right here? Having forgiven us our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. Here's the answer in, in Acts 10.43. To Christ, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Nobody has forgiveness as an experience before God until they believe, until they are united with Christ by faith. Another word for receiving forgiveness in its bigger sense of being justified, declared right before God, is Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, nobody stands right before God apart from faith. So that's what I mean by applied. My reconciliation my justification, my forgiveness, my redemption are accomplished decisively once for all on the cross when Christ purchased them for me, achieved them, accomplished them for me, and then I come into the actual experience of them and the application to me when they are applied to me. Now, I think we can see both of these if we keep reading in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since therefore, I'm dropping down to verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified, just like in Colossians, now been reconciled, now been justified by his blood. So there's the blood that secured the justification, which now becomes mine by faith, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. At the end of the age, when the wrath of God is poured out, we're going to be saved because we're already justified. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so there's the reconciliation in our lives, but it's by the death of the son who accomplished it. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved in the future when he comes by his life? Now watch. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So, reconciliation already existed because it was by the blood, by the death of Christ. When Christ died, my reconciliation was secured because Christ had me in view as his elect for whom he poured his blood out in a peculiar way. The blood of the covenant, it's called. But that reconciliation, which was secured for me once for all, accomplished, I receive and it is applied to me by faith. Now back to the text here. He has now reconciled, and that now is a real now, and it means it is applied to me now by faith. But it was rooted in an accomplishment in his body by his death on the cross. So if you get this, so many texts will make sense. This redemption, this reconciliation, this justification, this forgiveness always has two focal points the point where it is accomplished for me and the point where it is applied to me. And the point of its application and accomplishment is in order to present you before him, holy, blameless, above reproach. You will be holy because of this reconciliation this redemption, this justification, this forgiveness, you will be holy. God will not blame you. He has canceled all your blame, nailing it to the cross. Nobody will be able to bring an accusation or a reproach against you. Not the devil or not any human being or demon will be able to bring a reproach, an accusation, a blame against you. All that is included in this glorious reconciliation with God rooted in the death of Jesus for sinners where he cancels our blame, our unholiness, our reproachability, and where he secures for us redemption and reconciliation and justification and forgiveness. But here's where I want to end. God, he, reconciled us in order to present us to him. You see that? Get rid of all the other pieces. God reconciled us in order to present us before him. God wants us before him. God is saving us 
from his wrath for himself. Here's the way Peter says it. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We are saved to enjoy God. We are saved to stand before God, and it will be a joyful standing. Yes, I'm sure we will tremble, but it will not be the trembling of dread, because all the dread has been removed by the death of Jesus to to absorb all the dread wrath of God. And now there is holiness counted as ours, and blamelessness counted as ours, and irreproachability counted as ours, so that we can stand before him and leap for joy, because he wanted it that way. He gave his son to make it that way. We are, in a sense, his treasured possession, the apple of his eye. Next time, the question is, really? Are we before him and secure? And what does this if imply?